0: This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Iron Fist Tournament. Enter the Tekken. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the new TNN Podcast for an episode of Junk Man, the show where we take a look at movies that receive an unkind, unwarm reception from the world, and we watch them and decide is it junk or, you know, is it okay? This is Johnny C, as always, and thanks for coming aboard with this one. The uh, video game adaptations continue to roll here on the new TNN because the last time we came at you, we brought you Mortal Kombat from 2021. And while I was digging through the archives of films to potentially review for Junkman, ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased, question mark, to bring you Tekken from the year 2009, directed by Dwight Little. Little Dwight. Well... Let's just pause for a second. Now, Tekken and Mortal Kombat, both long-running, long-loved fighting game franchises, probably available on a console near you, couldn't be more different from one another. Mortal Kombat is sort of a comic bookian, uh, anything-goes, I don't want to call it sci-fi, but I guess for lack of a better term, we'll call it that. We're talking about fighters with superpowers. Fighters that... Throw ice and magic shit. You know what I mean? Whereas Tekken has always been a game that, you know, it's a fighting game, but it's more based upon like fisticuffs and kicking and punching and martial arts and what have you. A more realistic approach. There's nary a fireball to be seen. Unless, of course, you're a bitch and you pick devil. But that's neither here nor there. Because if you pick devil. I'm going to pick Angel, and you better fucking get used to the Tekken announcer guy, because he's not going anywhere, because holy shit, did I play me some Tekken as a youngster. Uh, all th- the big three, Tekken 1 through 3 on the original PlayStation, holy shit. Not to mention that the whole summer I spent at the arcade playing Tekken 3, and watching chumps come up and put in a quarter, and, and as soon as they did, I'd be like, alright, well, you want to fight me? Here we go. Eddie Gordo. Just don't. Just don't pick Eddie Gordo. I I would do it because I wanted control of the Tekken 3 machine. But man, you want to talk about being a cheapo. Eddie Gordo. Uh, One of the most unique, but also cheap fighters in Tekken history. And don't worry, he's here. We'll talk about him when we get there. I played so much Tekken with my friends. Tekken 2 and Tekken 3 really sealed the deal. So much, in fact, that uh, when I was in like the 10th grade, maybe, uh, a friend of mine... In my science class, we were partnered up for our annual science fair project, and I came up with a ludicrous idea that I'm still proud of to this day, and I'm now going to relay to you, the gentle listener. See, my friend's mom was a registered nurse, and when we got together, not only did we like to tell tall tales about our uh, accomplishments uh, with the ladies, but... We also like to play a lot of Tekken too, And so I said to him, I have an idea. You see, your mother is a registered nurse and perhaps may have access to an eye chart. You know an eye chart. The thing with the letters, they get smaller. I said to him, I said, Matt, I have a genius idea. What if? What if we tested the theory? What if our hypothesis was, uh, or or the question we went to solve, Does playing video games truly affect one's eyesight? And he said, they'll never go for that. And I said, oh, don't you worry, sir. I am a bullshit machine, and I can rationalize this using the scientific method. Because first, we'll have to do some measurements. We'll play a certain amount of footage away from the television to make sure that our eyes are always focused on an object the same distance away. We'll call it X. And then Y. We'll conduct a precursor eye test. You know, we'll get our sample. We'll take an eye test using a measurement of Y. And we'll use measurement Y every time we take this eye test. This will be our base eye examination. And your mother is a professional and she can give it a weighted score based on our letter achievements. Then, we'll play Tekken 2 for 30 minutes. Take an eye test. We'll play Tekken 2 for an hour. Take an eye test. We'll play Tekken 2 for an hour and a half. Take an eye test. And then, we'll play Tekken 2 for two hours and take an eye test. And if you're a math major, ladies and gentlemen, that's five hours of Tekken 2-based entertainment. And when I was done, I said, No more Tekken 2! No more! It's, it, it's Honestly, it was a genius maneuver. Uh, parents around the world should try this, because when you force your child to play the same video game for five hours, they don't want to play it anymore. They want to maybe go outside and interact with the rest of the world. And so... I don't remember if video games affected my eyesight or not, but I do remember playing Tekken 2. So, as we do here on Junkman, we talk about the folks behind the scenes, we give a summary, and then we talk about the film. So, I mentioned the film was directed by Dwight Little. I don't, you know, Dwight Little had a pretty decent amount of work on his resume. He's directed Steven Seagal film, Marked for Death. I can't remember which one that is, man. I can't remember. They're Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Death Becomes Her. Uh, actually, I, the one I know for uh, for certain is Hard to Kill because that's the one where he's in the coma. Uh, and I think Out for Justice is the one with the guy with, with the pool cues where they fight. And he goes, get him, sticks, and he swings the pool cues. Um, and then, of course, On Deadly Grounds, the one with Sir Michael Caine. I am Sir Michael Caine. Steven Seagal, you can't get my oil reserves. And, of course, Under Siege, Under Siege. Well, I guess I know more Seagal movies than I thought. Yeah. He also directed Free Willy 2, The Journey Home. <laughs> That's the one with the other Michael Jackson song. We all know, hold me. Don't you Damn not me. Can you know, Pin me? And I will be there, I will be there. But Free Willy 2 has a less accessible Michael Jackson tune. Have you seen my childhood? I'm searching for the world that I come from. And I'm, my, I'm song doesn't really age well, given recent observations, but nevertheless. But here's icing on the cake. This man directed Halloween for The Return of Michael Myers. For more of my thoughts on that film, check out the archives when I talked about the entire Halloween franchise in October of 2022. Now, this film stars goddamn next to no one. I'm sorry. First on the list, we've got John Fu, which is what they call me when I go to taekwondo class. God, white guy strip mall Taekwondo. Just the 80s, man. We need it back so we can have more of that. We still have strip mall martial arts, but we need more like stupid dopey white guy dads teaching martial arts to kidsters for a premium price. So John Fu here plays Jin Kazama, our main character. Now, John Fu, you might know him from such films as Batman Begins, where he played a League of Shadows member. Maybe. Maybe as apparently the role was uncredited, and we just have to take Mr. Foo at his word. He also played the Jackie Chan role in the Rush Hour television program that I think was probably on Fox, because that sounds like a piece of shit they would greenlight, and I don't know how long it lasted, and I don't care. Kelly Overton asked Christy Montiero. Oh, wait, Christy Montiorio. You know, Christy's post my Tekken. I can't do the announcer voice. I think she's in Tekken Tag Tournament, maybe, but that's all I know. Now, Kelly Overton, most famous for playing a character named Vanessa Van Helsing on the sci-fi program Van Helsing, which, according to my research, ran for like five seasons. Good for you, Kelly. Man, hope you're getting those uh, fucking residual checks from that shit being in syndication, maybe. I mean, it was on long enough. Up next, Ian Anthony Dale, the man with three names, as Kazuya Mishima. Now, ironically, this is one of two gentlemen that we're going to be talking about here in the cast list that has a little something to do with Mortal Kombat, as Mr. Ian Anthony Dale played Scorpion in a short film called Mortal Kombat Rebirth. Now, Mortal Kombat Rebirth was kind of famous because it led to the creation of a little micro-series that was online called Mortal Kombat Legacy, which can now be watched in its entirety on HBO Max, and I recommend it. It's better than Mortal Kombat 2021, I'll tell you that much. This guy's also in Hawaii 5 Oh, here's a fun one. Uh, You want to talk about fucking 80s and 90s strip mall karate. Gary Daniels as Brian Fury. Now, Gary Daniels is a real kickboxer, and he's also sort of an E-grade 90s martial arts guy, so way below your Seagal tiers. Uh, he plays, does he play Ken? I think he plays Ken in the Little Seed 1995, I think, film, Fist of the North Star, which is a live-action version of an anime film that is a lot better. Luke Gross as Steve Fox. Now Luke Gross started his career in a boy band in Europe named Bros. He also stars in Blade 2 and Hellboy 2. Movies I haven't seen in a very long time. Now this film is with Tamlin Tomita as June Kazama. Now Tamlin Tomita may not be a household name, but you've probably seen her in The Karate Kid 2 where she plays Kumiko. Daniel LaRusso's love interest on the streets of Okinawa, and of course, returning to that role in Cobra Kai. Spoiler alert. Uh, she's also in the Joy Luck Club. So that's cool. Tamlin, nice to see ya. Rounding out the cast and getting the and credit, Carrie Horyuki Takawa as Heihachi Mishima. Now, Carrie is a boss. This gentleman appears in the Spielberg film The Last Emperor, the James Bond film License to Kill. He appears in the Sean Connery-Wesley Snipes joint Rising Sun. He appears in Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor, of which he's apologized for on six non-consecutive occasions. He appears in the TV film Thunder in Paradise 3, starring Hulk Hogan and Chris Lemon, dude. He's also in, I believe, every season of the forgotten Amazon Prime series Man in the High Castle as a good guy. However, ladies and gentlemen, I've left out probably the credit he is most known for playing Shang Tsung in the original nineteen ninety-five Epic Mortal Kombat. And just absolutely being the best part of that movie, aside from Christopher Lambert. Hey, it's me, Christopher Lambert. I heard you're going to be watching the Tekken film. Oh, jeez. I hope you brought something to eat or drink, like some booze or maybe some edibles, because, oh, man, that movie fucking sucks. I'm going to toss it back to Johnny C. I can't be bothered to watch it. Good luck with the Tekken film, fans. <laughs> And so, that is our cast. The plot synopsis. Ahem, let me get my announcer voice guy thing going. The year is 2039. World wars have destroyed everything, and territories are run by corporations, the mightiest and cruelest of which is Tekken. Jin Kazama witnesses the death of his mother, Jun Kazama, by Tekken, in the slums known as Anvil, vowing vengeance and armed only with the street smarts and raw fight. This guy doesn't have any street smarts, folks. I've seen the movie. His street smarts and his raw fighting skills, he enters a dangerous and potentially deadly combat tournament where he must defeat the world's most elite fighters to become the king of the Iron Fist. And that comes straight from the Tekken official website. Well, that's our primer. Put in your quarter. Make sure your wireless controller is charged because it's time for Tekken. Now, as we begin our discussion of the film, I think it's important that I just take a moment, if you will, to sort of lay out what Tekken sort of is. I, I I compared it to Mortal Kombat earlier, well, I contrasted it compared it to Mortal Kombat in a sense that Mortal Kombat definitely takes place in this crazy sci-fi, you know, mystical fantasy, you know, story about realms battling and portals and fireballs and shit like that. Tekken does have its own sense of crazy mythology and it is sort of a hyper realized world and I'll explain sort of what I mean but at its base and this might be an unfair comparison because I will freely admit HBO succession is not a program that I've watched yet okay I I will someday it's just not the time for me right now I don't know why it just isn't time But I know Succession is about sort of a family's infighting to take control of a major corporation. Well, Tekken is sort of the same. At its through line, Tekken is the story of the Mishima family dynasty. Okay, Uh, The patriarch of which is Heihachi Mishima. Now, Heihachi is the owner of a massive international conglomerate called the Mishima Zaibitsa. I may be mispronouncing that and it doesn't really matter. We'll just call it Mishima Corps, all right, to simplify things. Now he has an arrogant son named Kazuya Mishima and the Tekken tournaments, the King of the Iron Fist tournaments uh, are held uh, at Heihachi's request and they are a martial arts tournament and the caveat is the winner of the tournament becomes the controller of the Mishima Corporation. And so, Heihachi's son Kazuya enters, and they fight. Eventually, his soul becomes corrupted by a devil and an angel, and, you know, Heihachi uh, is, dies and is comes back like, oh, I wasn't really dead! You know, stuff like that. So, there is hyper-reality here. Eventually, Kazuya sires a son, then the son enters the next tournament in Tekken 3, etc., etc., etc. What's that? Oh, Grandpa who we thought was dead this entire time, is back in, like, Tekken 6 or something? That's fine. So there are there are there is some crazy soap opera elements to this thing, but it very much takes place in the here, in the now. I guess there is, like, a 20-year time jump in Tekken 3, but there is a semblance of our society at play here. Now, the soap opera elements are sort of hyper-reality-based. There are other elements, like, for example, Heiachi Mishiba, if I'm not mistaken, I believe has a a large brown bear that walks, you know, upright like a human, which is fine. That he has trained in the martial arts to be his bodyguard named Kuma. I Love that bear. I love that bear. You know, uh, a couple of different combatants in the Tekken tournaments throughout the years have been a little crazy. We've got a, a boxing raptor Alex, and we've got a boxing kangaroo Roger. Uh, yeah, Yoshimitsu is like a ninja alien, and that's okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, you've got some robots we'll talk about. Uh, who else is there? Oh, Tekken 3 also has a, like, 90-year-old man with a broken back whose, <clears throat> excuse me? whose martial arts style is to lay on his back and roll around the arena. Dr. Basganovich. I fucking love that guy. So it is sort of crazy, but it is very much... A story that takes place in some semblance of a true reality. The Tekken film opens with a digitized map of the planet Earth and a narration from Jin Kazama. Jin, my stardust. Oh my god, I just not realized his name's fucking Jin, like Jin Erso. Jin Kazama, are you a rebel? Do you rebel? Oh, my stardust of all the things I have done, you are the greatest, but pay attention really quick. Uh, This is now Galen Urso, and I will be narrating the Tekken story. After the terror wars, my Stardust, all the governments fell, and the world was divided up by eight different corporations, my Stardust. There is also an exhaust port, they will not know, but any explosion will cause a chain reaction that will destroy the world. All right, Galen or so out. I love you, my stardust. Let's return to Johnny C. Thank you, Galen, for your surprise appearance. Now, the map tells us the names of each corporation that owns a different piece of the puzzle. Now, these corporation names are not truly important, but they're also extremely ununique. And And the Terror Wars. What is that? You can tell this is a product of the early 2000s, but also... Why are we going post-apocalyptic? Like, this Tekken movie reveals itself to be a piece of so many different film franchises or just standalone films. They, like, took all the worst elements of these types of shit, and they put it in a blender, and they got the Tekken film. But Europe is controlled by the Brickhauser Corporation. Uh, I guess it's full of ladies with nice junk in the trunk, because they're the brick! Hausa. Hey, Hausa, this is Quaid. I'm so happy that somehow we got to both be alive in the same body. This is Arnold from Total Recall, by the way. And we have created this company called Brickhauser. Sorry it's not Quade Hauser. But, you know, me being Hauser, I'm a little bit more in control than the wimpy Quade. Hey, you think this is the real Quade? It is. Ah, yes! See you at the party, Richter. the Brickhauser party. The Middle East is controlled by E-Corp. E-Corp. Africa is controlled by IRDEX? Idirex, Well, you know, it's not Memorex, so it doesn't sound very good to me. Northern Asia is controlled by Rus Corp? Rusev Corp? No, it's Rus Corp, like Russia Corp. How fucking stupendous. Uh, Southeast Asia is controlled by X Corp. EX Corp. In Southeast Asia, man, things are getting a little extreme down there. we got to put that X in. Australia is controlled by Vector Corp. Not to be confused with Vector Man from the Sega Genesis. South America is controlled by Valancor. Again, another corp. And North America is controlled by Chicken. Collectively, these eight corporations are known as Iron Fist. That's not bad. But it's dumb. Like, there's no need for this nonsensical backstory. Tekken is known as the mightiest of all the corporations. Once a year, they hosted a tournament, which according to Jin, was no game. So once a year, they hosted a tournament, which was no game. Now, Jin lives outside Tekken City in a slum called Anvil, and that's where it all started. Now, the digital map goes away and we're at the Tekken King of Iron Fist tournament and Jin is walking down the aisle wearing his video game accurate costume and he's about to get in a huge fight but suddenly, the words Tekken appear on the screen and since it's 2009, we get some new metal. What about a on the sound of movement inside you? New metal, Tekken's inside you. Tekken gonna fight, uh, maybe an alligator or a raptor or a fucking kangaroo or there's a rare who's named Puma, Kuma. Tekken, 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 Tekken. Fight five days earlier, says on-screen text. We get our opening credits as Jin Kazama is chased through a post-apocalyptic wasteland by a gang of street toughs. Every time they go to show the name of an actor for these opening credits, the screen freezes, turns black and white, and we get some ridiculous zooming in on the action at hand. It kind of looks like a cheap opening credits you would find in a very early 2000s Fox television program. Think like Malcolm in the fucking middle. Uh, but some dude, these dudes are chasing him with some guns. Uh, there's so many cuts in this fucking opening. The Anvil City is very post-apocalyptic. Lots of fucking trash can fires. Um, it kind of feels like, it doesn't feel like District 12 from the fucking Hunger Games trilogy that might be because that trailer for the new one just popped in my head. But I'll tell you what. Shades of another very shitty video game movie, Double Dragon. You gotta do this post-apocalyptic shit so you can keep the cost down. I mean, that's why this post-apocalyptic setting is created by the screenplay, I have to believe, to keep the cost down. Now, as I'm not enjoying myself, I start to enjoy myself because... There is a third party. There's a third party candidate monsoon in this chase sequence. We see a bunch of fucking stormtroopers. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not I don't know that Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope was the first film to create like stormtroopers. Like a group of Troopers or underlings of the main bad guys, who all wear a standardized uniform that appear whenever we need cannon fodder. I don't know if Star Wars is the first; it's certainly the best example in my head. But uh, I, I'm a sucker. I am a sucker for a movie that has an evil bad guy or bad girl doesn't matter has a has a antagonist that has an own their own army of stormtroopers. I'm a sucker for it. Uh, Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella. The He Man story is not like. I mean, I love the movie. It's not good. But Skeletor's stormtroopers sure do fucking rule. Even Kang the Conqueror in that piece of shit Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania had his own stormtroopers. And I like the stormtroopers. I'm a sucker for stormtroopers. I thought this was the Tekken Force. An army of, like, armored troopers that Heihachi controls in Tekken 3. Oh, Tekken Force. I'm here for it. Let's see the Tekken Force. But oh, no. It's revealed to me that these Stormtroopers are called Jackhammers, or Jack for short. These Jacks are called this because in the Tekken video games, there is a robot named Jack, who's kind of like the Zangief of the Tekken mythology. And like in Tekken 2, there's a new Jack robot named Jack-2-Wins. And this is how they decided to fucking uh, create Jack for the silver screen. These army of armored commandos. It's too bad because Jack 2 is one of my favorite characters, and this tells me he's not going to be in this motion picture. The credits end when the Jacks kill all the bad guys that were chasing Jin Kazama, and we get some on-screen text, which is so unnecessary. So fucking unnecessary, because the on-screen text says Anvil. Okay, That's the slums outside Tekken City. But the on-screen text reads, ANVIL-SECTOR-197742-C7-443. I don't need all that information! It's never going to come back. It's never going to be relevant. Jin arrives at like a rebel hideout. I guess he's been like, he's like a bag boy, basically. He runs illegal contraband through ANVIL from Tekken City. Um... Jin immediately... Now, these these rebels are just every fucking rebel you've seen in a post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, Jin's like, oh, what's this music you're listening to? And the rebel guy's like, ah, we listen to real music here. We don't listen to that corporate stuff. Yeah, what's that stuff you had me listen to the other day? The roaches? The Beatles! Oh, uh, what's wrong with these people? You know, just typical rebel stuff. I rebel. Oh, my stardust, you must listen to the Beatles before you destroy the Death Star. I know I've sent you on a suicide run to Scarif, but I've also included a complete MP3 download of the White Album. Listen to it, my stardust. Uh, Jin, they, they say that Jin is the best like runner because he's able to get through the gang zones? Again, which is just something that comes straight from the goddamn awful Double Dragon movie. Uh, but Jin refuses to join the rebellion. I'm not a rebel. I don't rebel. I'm just a courier. What did he deliver, though? He hands the Rebels an orb, a metallic orb. It looks like a bomb. Would you guys like to know what it does? And I quote the Rebel leader. It connects. This orb will allow us to connect to the secret internet. It's new and it's underground. Off the Tekken subgrid. These words do not belong in my Tekken movie. Uh, Jin has to be paid in global dollars as opposed to Tekken dollars. Now, this, I guess, makes sense. Tekken dollars can be used in the Tekken conglomerate area. Global dollars can be used anywhere. But it makes me think of Bison Bucks from 1994 Street Fighter, which is an amazing film that I won't throw shade at. Uh, hey, Mishima appears on screen for the first time. Now, I love this actor. We talked about him. He plays Shang Tsung. His citywide broadcast is so reminiscent of, like, The Hunger Games or The Running Man because everybody in the slums is watching on giant TVs. Uh, the Tekken Corporation is the four, reigning four-year champion of the Iron Fist Tournament, which means they're the host corporation this year. So it's taken place right over the wall in Tekken City near Anvil. So that's nice. Heihachi Mishima looks game accurate. But, uh-oh, what does that mean? Hey, Hachimashiba has some really crazy hair, okay? Like, he's bald. He's kind of got a Hulk Hogan, a Hulk Hogan thing going. Hey, hey, you're you. I, I like you, dude. I like your ruthlessness. I like the Tech Corporation, brother. I like how you came in, and you sort of took control, like, we're taking over, dude. But what I don't like, though, brother, is not only do you have some facial hair configuration going on, dude, but you kind of have a Hulk Hogan hair, and that's the sure, registered trademark Hulk Hogan, terrible LA corporate, dude. Uh, but his hair instead of, like, flowing backwards like Hogan's, uh, comes to a point at the top of his head, and it just looks like a Hachibachima throughout this entire movie is wearing a white hair Batman mask, okay? Because it has Batman ears. That's what he looks like. We cut to a bar where they're watching the uh, Iron Fist tournament announcement, and after the announcement, we basically get a, a quick King of the Iron Fist Sports Center where two guys are like, oh, hey, lots of Iron Fist action getting rounded up this week. Uh, there's been a lot of preliminary bouts. Hey, listen to this, folks. Martial Law didn't make it through the prelims. So Marshall Law is forced to fight in a wild card match to get into the Iron Fist tournament. Marshall Law is a beloved video game character. He'll appear later. And oh my god, folks, I hope you're not a fan of Martial Law. Because this does not appear to be any Martial Law that I know. Jin enters the bar, and he buys some contraband from this dude who looks like Letty Kravitz. Uh, he wants to buy some coffee. It's $100 an ounce. And the guys are like, nah, this ain't any of that stepped-on shit. It's 100% pure Colombian. So coffee is just cocaine here in the modern world. He also buys an orange and a bar of chocolate. And, you know, it costs him like 100 global bucks for the whole thing, so very expensive. Uh, There's some random guys here in the bar. I think they just got done working in the fucking mines because they're covered in soot. And they're like, hey, Jin, why don't you join the rebellion? I've seen you street fight. Street fighter. And Jin's like, I can't join the rebellion. I I got my own problems. Meanwhile, we cut to Tekken City at the King of the Iron Fist Stadium where Heihachi Mishima and his son, Kazuya Mishima, Watch the preparations for the King of the Iron Fist tournament happening. Uh, Heihachi lets Kazuya know that for the duration of the tournament, since Heihachi will be preoccupied, Kazuya Mishima will be in charge of the Jack Force during the entire tournament. So Kazuya will control the Jack Troopers. Now, Kazuya, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't really look anything like the Kazuya from the video game, and it makes me weep. Uh, we ha- Kazuya has a typical conversation with Heihachi that you get from any of these types of movies or stories where he's like, you know, father, I'm ready to rule and control the Tekken Corporation and be responsible for the King of the Iron Fist Tournament. And Heihachi, well, can you guess what Heihachi says? You're not ready, my son. Can you imagine what Kazuya says? Yes, I am, father. It's just so typical. It- it's just... It's everything you would expect it to be in all the wrong ways. <sighs> Back in the Anvil slums, inside a little shack that they call home, we meet Jin's mom, June Kazama. And she's training, as a martial artist is to do. Jin shows up and she sla- you know, snaps into mom mode. She's like, ooh, honey, I made some protein squares. And Jin being the loving son that he is, offers Mom some coffee and the orange that he purchased from Lenny Kravitz. Oh, it's so nice and heartwarming. But Jin's tired of being poor. And he's like, Mom, you know, you've been training me as a martial artist. And if you'd let me use those skills, I could enter the king of the Iron Fist tournament and get us some fucking money. This story, of course, starts a typical argument. She's like, Stardust, I didn't train you to fight in the Tekken tournament. Oh, you know what? I don't like you, Mom. You should let me fight. I don't even have a dad! Because, yes, Jin Kazama doesn't even know who his own dad is. Pause! Would you like to know who Jin's dad is? So, it'll come up eventually, but maybe to simplify things, we should talk about it now. So, Heihachi Mishima! is introduced in Tekken 1 and we talked about him we sort of given the the through line. He's the big boss or the final boss in Tekken 1. His son Kazuya is his son Kazuya, he's playable starting in Tekken 1 and he's the antagonist in Tekken 2. In Jun Kazama is introduced in Tekken 2 and off camera in the events of Tekken 2, Kazuya Mishima has intercourse with Jun Kazama. And Jin Kazama is indeed the son of Kazuya Mishima. He has the Kazama surname, but he is a Mishima at heart, and he will be that here. Everybody up to speed? All right, good. Because uh, Jin wants to leave. He's like, you know, after this argument, but there are jacks everywhere. Uh, and, and June's like, don't go. There's jacks everywhere. He does anyway. And he meets up with Kara a character invented only for this film that is not in the Tekken games and appears to be Jin's girlfriend. Quite a humorous moment here. They're in this back alley Jin and Kara and Jin Kazama gives Kara the chocolate bar that he purchased from Lenny Kravitz. She takes a bite of the chocolate, and in a post-apocalyptic world, you know, chocolate's expensive. Not everybody can get access to it, and not everyone can taste it on a continual, regular basis. So upon munching on this chocolate, she goes, mmm, to which our hero says, sounds like I've been replaced. (laughs) Now, I have known many a woman who would prefer a delicious chocolate bar over a uh, beta penis, so it's all good cut to the Rebels, the secret internet guy from earlier. Him and his buddy are hacking some firewalls using the magic orb that Jin brought them. This guy says and I quote will be in the Tekken video subgrid for 60 seconds. Whatever the fuck that means. They're just here to broadcast the truth. Like the Rebels in the Running Man. You know, the Running Man, the other Schwarzenegger film. Uh, Meanwhile, back in the alley where Chocolate was delivered, in a sensual manner, Jin and Kara just start to have hardcore alley sex. And that's totally fine. I'm not throwing shade. It's just a unique turn for this Tekken film. Uh, Kazuya leads the Jacks on a raid of the Rebel Fortress. You know, it was easy backtracing your hack, the orb gave you away. As Kazuya is threatening to kill the rebels, we cut back to Kara and Jin just having more sex, but at least now they're in a little tiny shack of their own, and that's totally fine. Uh, some helicopters, though, uh, flashlights on the little sex shack, and Jin Kazama is discovered, and the Jacks are going to raid the shack. When they uh, get a positive ID on Jin Kazama, they raid the Kazama compound where Jun Kazama is. Lots of first and last names here, folks. I'm sorry! To make a very long story short, it looks like we're going to get a Tekken bout. June Kazama versus Jack. The Jacks that uh, you know, are fighting with June show her some sort of a Tekken ID card. I guess we'll learn more about that later. And Kazuya orders that all of the rebels be killed and uh, also that this Jun Kazama compound. We blown up. I don't think he knows that Jun Kazama is in it at this point. Because after all, he has made sweet, sweet love to Jun Kazama. Would you really order her death? And some of the Jacks are like, but sir, we have troops in the building. But Kazuya, don't give a shit, folks. He orders the building be destroyed anyway. As Jin Kazama is running back to his mommy's house, we get an absolutely insane... Off screen, unprompted missile that flies into the frame and destroys the entire Kazama compound here in Anvil Slums. Jin Kazama, of course, is like, no! And that is a wrap on Jun Kazama, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she'll show up in some flashbacks, but I hope you got your kicks when she was in Cobra Kai, because she ain't going to be in this much longer. Jin Kazama goes through the remnants of the Kazama household and finds the Tekken ID card he flashes back to being trained by his mom and being warned of the dangers of the Tekken Corporation. Uh, Kara returns, now fully dressed, and she's like, hey, Jin, it's not your fault that your mom got blown up by a missile strike. (laughs) He's like, I know, Heihachi Mishima killed my mother. Well, the missile did, but that's fine. Kara's like, it's okay, I know what you're going through. And she has to say, quote, my dad was killed in a jackhammer raid too. (laughs) Jin Kazama will hear none of this, though. He heads to the east gate that leads to Tekken City. He wants to respond to the open casting call that Heihachi Mishima was talking about earlier in his broadcast for the King of Iron Fist tournament. And uh, he shows up, and it's a very Running Man-type scenario. There's lots of people who are trying to sign up, some who are there debating whether or not they should sign up. Now, this open casting call is run by a gentleman named Steve Fox who I believe comes to us from Tekken 4. He's a British boxer and the son of Nina Williams. But that won't matter. That doesn't matter for this because it's not really the case. Um, He gives a speech like, All right, any of you blokes want to sign up for the King of Iron Fist tournament open casting call? I promise it'll be a lot easier than the casting couch, although you may have to take a load from the Foxster in the mouth, but that's okay. Who wants to join the Tekken? Come on, folks, I know winter is coming, and you're going to need some oil, so why don't you sign up for the tournament and maybe earn some money, huh? The audacity to say winter is coming. Uh, it's 100 global dollars if you sign up to get your ass beat, by the way. All you have to do is go one-on-one with Marshall Law. No one accepts. So Steve Fox finds a larger-than-life white guy in the crowd. This guy is wearing a shirt that says White Boy. That's why I call him the White Boy. But he looks just like current, I believe, NWA champion Tyrus. That douchebag from Fox News who used to be the WWE. What was his name? Somebody call my mama. Papa, somebody call my mama. That guy. Fucking big fat guy. I don't remember his name. I don't. I can't remember his name. Who cares? Uh, Jin then volunteers Shades of Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games. He even yells, I volunteer! Now, we go into this qualifying match, folks. Tyrus runs away. I quit. He doesn't want to go one-on-one with martial law. Uh, It's an MMA-style cage setup because it's 2008 when they're filming this, and MMA is really big. And we see, we meet martial law. And, folks, martial law in this movie is dressed like an MMA fighter. He's got some trunks on. He's ready to go. Guys, in the game, martial law is just Bruce Lee. He even wears Bruce Lee's outfit Uma Thurman wears in Kill Bill, like the yellow tracksuit. And look, I am not trying to perpetuate stereotypes by doing this, okay? Please. But Martial Law is known for his trademark... Like, that's his thing. So much to the fact that if you're in the other room taking a piss and your buddies are playing Tekken and you hear, yeah! you know somebody picked martial law. There is not an area, yeah! there's no Bruce Lee mannerisms here. This is not martial law. Why have they done this to my boy, Martial Law? Jin is going to fight. The people at the bar from earlier who tried to get Jin to join the rebellion are watching on TV. Very big running man feel here, because like people all over the fucking globe are watching Jin in this qualifying match. Um, so some, one of the dudes in the bar yells, hey, Jin, at the TV, as if Jin can hear him. I just thought that was funny. As the bout gets started, the commentators let us know that martial law beat paul phoenix in just 28 seconds to qualify for this match well i'm sure paul phoenix's hair cushioned the blow and that's a paul phoenix joke for all you people because paul is a character in tekken who doesn't appear in this movie who has guile-esque hair Jin tells martial law i'm going to the iron fist tournament and you're in my way this actor sucks They fight. There's lots of quick edits to cover up the fact that I don't know if these guys really were able to put together a well-choreographed martial arts battle, but the problem with this shit is that it's an MMA fight. It's not a Tekken-style martial. Like, I know that MMA is mixed martial arts, but what they've decided to do is sort of show the King of the Iron Fist tournament as if it is an MMA event, and that just doesn't work for me, man. It doesn't work for me at all. I do appreciate that during the match we get a patented Tekken replay. Tekken is known for sort of having the you know the, the double feature used in professional wrestling? Tekken is known for if something amazing happens in the match, sometimes you'll cut to like a replay of it happening, unless of course you turn that feature off. But I appreciate that they integrated that. Okay, they've got one over on Street Fighter, I suppose, from ninety four, because they do integrate game type scenarios. Uh, the Mishimas are watching. Jin is about to lose, but he has a flashback to his mama training him, and he does a Superman punch off the cage. He wins! He beats martial law! And he's dubbed the People's Choice by the Tekken you know, conglomerate. I guess Pepsi's done, otherwise they're getting a fucking lawsuit in on here. Uh, hey, Hachi is impressed, but Kazuya is not so much impressed. But look, the world is impressed because the global ratings for this bout are up big time. Shades of Rollerball! Which I believe was the first film we covered in the Junkman canon. God damn it, this movie is the worst parts of everything. Hey, Hachimashima's like, I think we can use this guy. He sounds just like Mr. McMahon because... He says, I think we I think the people will like Jin. He's from the streets. <laughs> which I can imagine Vince seeing any guy. You know, he calls Big e Kofi, Xavier Woods, Bobby Lashley, r truth. You get what I'm going for here, folks. And he's like, ah, no, uh, now, now I brought you all in here because I, I think you provide a, a unique branding opportunity for the WWE. Because, well, uh, you know, uh, you're from the streets. You know, you know how things work on the streets. You've all, you've all had a hard knock life, if you will. Uh, I think that uh, we can use that to our advantage. You know, and Xavier Woods, like, I'm from Oregon. And you, actually, I don't know if Xavier Woods is from Oregon. I made that up, but it's just like, Oregon! And ah, I got some mean streets there. My dad was a doctor. Yeah, well, you know, not every doctor's wealthy. Uh, uh, some doctors are sued with malpractice. Yeah, maybe, maybe there was a malpractice suit and you grew up on the streets. I. I... <laughs> Steve Fox is happy with Jin's victory, and he will, he's willing to sponsor him for just 20% of his winnings and get him into the Tekken tournament, uh, you know, just being a, a mentor from the Hunger Games here. Now, we cut, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mishima Tower, where Kazuya lives in the penthouse. And Kazuya Mishima has had a long day of watching qualifying matches, killing rebels, and, you know, controlling the army of jacks. He sort of pontificates looking out to Tekken City about how he should be the one to control the Tekken conglomerate. And I said he was controlling the Jacks all day, and he's tired of controlling Jacks, so he's brought some folks to his penthouse to jack him, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, Kazuya Mishima, here in my Tekken movie, is about to have a threesome with fellow video game characters Nina! Williams and Anna Williams. Now, Nina and Anna Williams are fighters from Tekken. They both make their first appearance in Tekken 1. They are assassins. Uh, they do hate one another. Uh, they were the first Williams sisters. They didn't steal it from Venus and Serena. Okay. Uh,. And ladies and gentlemen, as as you probably just caught from my little reference there, they are indeed sisters about to fuck the same guy. Unconfirmed if they fuck one another. And you know what? You do you. You do you. I'm not here to judge. But this is some fucking 14-year-old's fan fiction come to life. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with it. There's no, like, there's no, like, gratuity here. It's just quick. You know, they're in their undies. It's, you know, not any nudity. And, you know, if there was nudity, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, this is a little gratuitous, but it's not as gratuitous as it could be. Afterwards, I guess the Williams sisters leave because Heihachi shows up. They argue. Shocker. They argue about the missile strike that was authorized. I would argue about, you know, using bad special effects to simulate a missile strike, but that's fine. Hey, Hachi's like, why are you having a threesome when you should be making preparations for the king of the Iron Fist? Kazuya is like, oh, Iron Fist is done, bro. It's set up. What more do you want from me? Hey, Hachi actually chokes Kazuya a little bit and tries to get the fucking point into his head that winning the tournament means they win in the world. Jin and his new mentor, Steve Fox, and Galen Erso. Stardust, this is the king of the Iron Fist tournament arena. Oh, Stardust, I notice that you're afraid of all the jacks that are around the city. But this is the capital. This isn't fucking Anvo, where people just kill people for no reason. You can be okay here. And yes, it's somewhat like the capital city of the Hunger Games. Now if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to the desktop before they realize I've gone. Goodbye, my Stardust. I might show up a little bit later. Inside the Tekken building, Kazuya Mishima has prepared a PowerPoint presentation to give us the roster of fighters for the King of the Iron Fist tournament here. Now imagine, a boardroom full of suits, and Kazuya has his fancy, you know, multiple monitors and his futuristic PowerPoint here, uh, complete with clips of these combatants doing battle. He's here to introduce the the movie's roster of fighters, and I'm going to take just a little bit of time, slow the podcast down to a dead crawl, and introduce them to you with how he describes them and also give you a little bit of background, uh, from their video game appearances. First Raven representing the G Corp. No, not Johnny Polo or Scotty Flamingo. It's Raven. Raven makes his first appearance in Tekken five, which means folks, unfortunately he's out of my sphere of influence. Tekken four was my last go aside from the Tekken tag tournaments. Uh, But, you know, if you need a visual reference for Raven, he looks like Yaz from Double Team. You might recall, Yaz, as JCVD yells, is just fucking Dennis Rodman from Double Team. That's all you need to know. According to Kazuya, he's former military intelligence from technology to wet work and is a lethal ninjutsu expert. Kind of hard to be a ninja when you stand out like a sore thumb like a Dennis Rodman, but that's fine. Up next... From Valancore, Eddie Gordo. All right, Eddie Gordo. We talked about him earlier. He makes his first appearance in Tekken 3. He's a capoeira master, which is just breakdance fighting. Now, I'm not trying to throw shade at the art, but it's breakdance fighting. He's also, according to the movie, an underworld enforcer, and there's a price on his head from a Neo-Salvadorian group. He's powerful, but easily frustrated. Why do we need to know that detail? It never comes. I'll oh, fuck this movie. Up next, Sergey Dragunov. Oh, I'm sorry. Sergey Dragunov. He's a Sambo fighter that made his first appearance in Tekken 5 Dark Resurrection, which I guess was sort of an expansion pack added to Tekken 5? Again, way out of my sphere of influence trained by the now-defunct Russian military, and actually spent a year in Siberia for supporting government reintegration. Oh, he's a bit of a rebel himself. Up next, well, a double trouble threat. We talked about them briefly. Anna Williams and Nina Williams. Sisters, both first appearing in Tekken 1. They're professional assassins from Iridex wanted by three different corporations for completing executive level hits on those corporations they're masters of capo and akido and that's cool also good in the sack up next christy montero from vectro corp now christy makes her first appearance in tekken 4 and in the games she uses the same capoeira art that eddie gordo uses not here She's a skilled MMA fighter trained by her grandfather, and then, quote, also easy on the eyes. I'm eyeing her up for my fatal four-way with the Williams sisters. Up next, Miguel Roja. He's a Zipota specialist, making his first appearance in Tekken 6. Oh, now we're we're just way gone. He's all style and strategy, but he's also a crowd pleaser. Hey, here's someone I know. Yoshimitsu, a master swordsman from Tekken 1. Described as a true samurai warrior. He's sort of a... He's a robot I think in the games. Like a robot that looks like an alien. Here he's sporting his look from Tekken 3 where he somewhat resembles the Predator. And finally Brian Fury from Tekken 3. He's a power boxer and kenpo fighter at his physical peak and he is the current reigning, defending King of the Iron Fist. Uh, he's also a cyborg zombie in the video games. I don't know if that's going to come into play here at this point. He's certainly not dead, but I swear to you, he is in the video games. And of course, rounding out the field, Jin Kazama. So, a total of 10 fighters in this tournament. 10 fighters in the tournament bracket. Do Andrea and the Hulk have a bye? Because these numbers aren't adding up, folks. I don't know how you do a 10-person tournament, but that's fine. Now, I just want to take a moment, ladies and gentlemen, to pour one out for all of the characters that could have been used in this movie that weren't. Some of my favorites, just to name a few. King! Armor King! Ling Xiaoyu! Warong! Wong! Rei. Lei! Wu Long! Li Xiaolong! And so many more. After the PowerPoint, Jin and Steve sign up for the tournament. Uh, we see our tributes trading in the trading room. Well, if it was the Hunger Games, we'd see that. But we see all the competitors trading with like all the nice equipment here, the Tekken building. The girl, We get lots of sports bra boob shots. I'm not advocating it. I'm just telling you it happens. All the tournament fighters are like, Who's that fucker? He looks like a piece of shit. Talking about Jin. Nobody's really impressed with Jin. I'm not impressed with his acting skills. I'm not impressed with his MMA skills. As a lead character, I'm left wanting. Why is Warong not in this? I know I briefly talked about him. Taekwondo expert Warong. I fucking love that guy. I love that guy so much that when I played Final Fantasy VII, I named Cloud Warong. And all sorts of nerdy confessions here on Junkman, ladies and gentlemen. So, after a quick medical ID scan, like they scan Jin and like a, a CAT scan type thing to, to get his vitals, I guess, it's off to the on-site training facility where lots of sexy folks are training like their tributes in the Hunger Games. I know that the Hunger Games film didn't come out until 2012. I think the book was written the year before this came out. Uh, somebody's got a lawsuit here! I mean, I, I don't know. Was the director of the Hunger Games just a huge fan of Tekken? Jin joins in the crowd of, uh, what's it called? Trainers. And he eyes up Christy Montiero. They have a little bit of flirting banter back and forth, as to be expected. You know, I don't blame Jin, my stardust, because holy shit, this actress... And I I don't like to say, like, as a heterosexual male, I I am attracted to women. And I'm just going to say this, because this script will not allow her to do much as an actress but she is in tremendous physical shape as is everyone in this film you know we get a couple of shots of uh, nina williams and anna williams here in their sports braziers we get lots of zooms i mean a 13 year old is at the helm of the camera but you know whatever christy says it's rude to stare sorry i was just admiring your toes Quentin, is that you? Okay, she doesn't mistake it for Quentin Tarantino, but he's talking about her feet are in like a unique martial arts stance configuration. But he he does say he was admiring her toes. Who are you? My name's Jin. Stardust? Okay, she doesn't call him that. Uh, but Steve Fox pulls away Jin and gives him like a, uh, uh, a fucking patented pair of Jin Kazama flame pants. But Jin didn't get to lift Nary a weight here. How. He's, he's got a train, man. What kind of a fucking promoter are you? Oh, well. Folks, it's time for the tournament to begin. In the Tekken Arena, there's a, a large crowd who are like, Tekken, Tekken, Tekken. Everybody on the TV is like, Jin, 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 Jin. He is the people's choice. The competitors are all lined up in the tunnel near an entranceway like it's WrestleMania 1. Everyone except Yoshimitsu, that is. We're missing the Yoster. Where you at, Yoshi? I guess they're saving him for the big reveal. But on the stage for the like pregame, we've got lots of cheerleaders here, and there is an announcer guy. I mean, we've all seen the running man, right? Credit, however, where credit is due. They allow each competitor their own moment to get up on stage, and the announcer guy calls their names like he's the Tekken announcer guy. Like when you pick them on the character select screen, we've got Raven, Miguel Rojo, Nina Williams, Anna Williams, Sergey Dragunov, Brian Fury, Eddie Gordo. So now there's just two left in the hallway Christy and Jin. Jin is strategically placed behind Christy in line. Christy could feel his eyes glare. You know, staring at my ass is a good way to get yours kicked. Christy Montero. Steve Fox is like, Jin, man, you look like shit. You want to go throw up? And to the scripts, I'll give a little bit of credit here. Stardust replies, I already did. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the first anvil fighter ever to win an open call, Jin, the people's choice, Stardust. Kazuya is unimpressed by Jin. Heihachi takes note of this. Like, that, Kazuya has talked a lot of shit about Jin since he was announced for the tournament. Heihachi wants to know, why are you so threatened by this fighter? Huh? I'm not! Jesus, Dad, leave me alone. Now, in another nice moment that appeases my nerd game fandom, there's a big Titan Tron. And... Each fighter is randomly appearing. Like, they're doing a match randomization, and it kind of feels like the match selection screen. Our first fight is selected for us. Raven versus Eddie Gordo in the Ancient Ruins. Yes, there is a stage select that says they're going to fight in the Ancient Ruins, which is just something out of a fighting game, and I appreciate that. The stage sort of morphs into ancient ruins i mean it doesn't really look like it but it kind of does so i appreciate what they're going for they don't have the budget to go out and shoot these fights on location in some ancient ruins but i appreciate that they're trying to make it work for what they're able to present the fight begins and there's no mma cage thank god the fighting is more like the game it's not bad the characters stick to the styles they use in the games, like Eddie Gordo's kind of dance-fighting. He's not as dance-fighty as he could be, but, you know, regardless. They are still trying to do limb work like it's an MMA fight. Uh, they, they are going for KOs, but there is a lot of limb work. Raven wins. Damn it! So much for Eddie. Uh, when he mounts Eddie and punches him, and Eddie doesn't have a guard, and it's, just, it's not really a tap-out or anything... Most impressive feat of the entire bout. Raven wears his sunglasses the entire time and they don't move an inch. In order to celebrate his victory, Raven fucking salutes the nation of domination. I mean, he did it. I don't know. Uh, Match two. More randomization. Miguel Rojo versus Jin. The people's choice. Well, it had to happen eventually, right? We had to get to our main character. Fox advises Jin that Rojo has a, he's got a huge ego, you know, this guy's gonna go out there and try to put on a show, so tire him out, you know, a big Rojo chant from the crowd, so much for the people's choice, I'm not sure what level was selected for them, but it kind of looks like they're on a wooden dock with a beach underneath, because there's some sand, but there's like walls too, now, I did play Tekken 4, which I think was the Tekken that introduced the stage damage, like wall damage, where you could knock your opponent into the wall, so I appreciate that. The match begins, and everybody in Anvil is watching like it's the running man! Yeah, Including Lenny Kravitz, though, and that, that makes me happy, because Lenny Kravitz was a good drug dealer. He was super nice. Jin does get uh, Miguel against the wall and, and get some stage damage, so I appreciate that. But Rojo jumps off the wall and does the Superman Punch! he then does what I could best describe as a wire-assisted throw because he tosses Jin, and Jin does like nine flips. My waifu fighting team is ready! Now, Christy is also cheering for Jin, so she's developing a little bit of a soft spot. Brian Fury notices that Christy is cheering for Jin and says, What are you doing, Christy? That anvil rat get under your skin? Why don't we see what's under your skin, cyborg? Wait, what? I mean, we spoke moments ago about how Brian Fury is a dead cyborg. Is he a cyborg here? This could get interesting. I mean, doesn't look like one. But she called him one. We'll see. Uh, Jin is on the ropes, but he remembers his dead mama and everything he's fighting for. And he counters back with a leg lace. He looks up at Heihachi Mishima as if to say, You're next! And snaps Roho's leg. Roho refuses to quit. So Jin pushes him off the dock, leaps onto him, and hits mounted punches. Who's producing these fights? Because this one ends in a mounted punch as well. The first match ended in mounted punches. Now, as Jin's delivering the mounted punches, he like trips out and like sees his mom in black and white. It just he, And Fox is like, Jin, the fight's over. Stardust, come back. It's just, you know, he's kind of losing it. And he has to get snapped out from almost killing this guy. Uh, hey, Hachi is pleased and like, Kazuya, Stardust won. What now, you fucking nerd? But, you know, I, and this is all the fighting we get for day one of the Iron Fist tournament. And and, and I'll say this, the choreography is fine. It's much better than anything you're going to find in like the 95 Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. It, it benefits from the hindsight of being made in 2009 where fight choreography was a little more involved. But upon watching this movie, I... I'm I'm already aware that the the plot is not going to do a goddamn thing for me. So I was looking to find solace in the fights. And I found about 50% of solace in the fights. I don't know. Christy runs into Jin in the hallway. Nice finish. Very entertaining. But completely out of control. She's talking about the match, right? Not like a facial? Oh, God. Did I say that? Kazuya is here. Good work, Fox. You've recruited this kid from the anvil. But I think next time maybe a phone call would suffice. I had to get that in there because he calls it mister Fox. But is here to meet Jin. Uh you know, we're impressed. Maybe someday you'll work for Tekken. I'll never meet for Tekken work for Tekken. Can I meet Heihachi? Well if you keep winning, you can. Jin is totally giving away his master plan here. He might as well just come out and said, Hey Kazuya, nice to meet you. Can I go meet Heihachi? I'd like to kill him. Um, But Kazuya says, you know, Jin, uh, or Stardust, may I call you Stardust? Only my mom calls me Stardust. Well, what about your dad? I didn't know who my dad was. Hmm, not uncommon for those from the Anvil. Well, keep working hard. Uh, Jin then goes into a training room to do more training, which just tells me, folks, that we have a very limited amount of sets that we're going to be using throughout the course of this film. Now, I'll say this. Jin is training using the wooden man, which is a common, you know, training method in martial arts where you sort of work with a wooden doll sort of thing. But those deep-cut Tekken fans know that there is a wooden training dummy that comes to life named Mokujin. And I'm wondering if this wooden man is a reference to Mokujin. But Jin has flashbacks of his mama again. Christy Montero is here. (gasps) watching his training with vigor. She asks him, Hey, you want to head out for a while? Isn't that against the rules? Not if you don't get caught. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Kazuya's tower, Kazuya is on his computer, and in another cute moment of the video games, he's got on his computer screen a character selection screen, literally. Literally. He has the 10 fighters in the Iron Fist tournament lined up like you do in the video game character select and he goes through them and picks Jin. It's cute. Now we mentioned that medical scan that Jin got. Kazuya unlocks the classified files and finds something he doesn't like. Jin Kazama is a 100% DNA match for Jun Kazama. Kazuya is not pleased. So, Christy and Jin head out to the club, the dance club in Tekken City, and remember, they're trying not to get caught. Immediately, upon entering the club, the DJ at the club is all mixing, little DJ Lethal, and he's like, Oh, shit! Yo, yo! Jin, the People's Choice is in the house! So, there goes your cover. Now, some ladies start to flirt with Jin, but Christy will have none of this. Ladies and gentlemen, the poor woman that plays Christy here, Her pants, the outfit they have for her. Now, look, she's she's very attractive, okay? However, they have her wearing these pants that don't have a top. Like, they don't have a waist. And the, as opposed to, like, she has 24-7 plumbers crack, but it's, like, sexy plumbers crack. But this poor woman had to wear these pants. Like, I hope they paid her, is all I'm saying. Now, they have a seat at first and take some shots, 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 shots. And uh, Christy's like, you know, you were pretty good there uh, against Rojo, but you were kind of out of control there at the end. So, you know, in the Iron Fist tournament, it's about control. So stay in control. And, you know, they flirt about control. Jin mentions, I know everything about you, Christy. I've seen all your promos. Christy responds, those promos don't show off. All my skills. She sexily leads him to the dance floor. Jin, I'm sure the entire time, thinking about his chocolate-loving girlfriend, Kara. Wow! just He just dumped her like yesterday's garbage. And holy shit, do Jin and Christy dance. They're practically dance-fucking. And at one point, Christy breaks away and asks everyone if they're ready for the grind. Because she does the sable grind! They start making out. They're about two seconds away from fucking right there before the eyes of everyone in the Tekken dance club, but we whip pan to the training facility, and I was like, "What?" I thought they were gonna fuck, and they're sneaking back into the Tekken facility to their rooms. Jin is in his room with Christy, desperately trying to seal the deal. Like, and Christy's like, "No, I need to get to sleep. I might have to kick your ass tomorrow. Do you promise?" They make out some more, she leaves. Shh. Ladies and gentlemen, Jin Kazama might be a black belt, but tonight he's blue balls. I'll see myself out now. But the lights go out in Jin's room, and two shapely ninjas appear out of nowhere. It's the Williams sisters. Jin is about to have a. Th- How does everybody get to have threesomes with the Williams but me? But Christie shows up and scares the Williams sisters away. Like, they're, they're here to kill him. They're here to kill him. Um, they don't, but they do beat the shit out of him. Fox shows up and he's like, oh, of course, this is a conspiracy. There's no way that the Tekken Corporation would let someone from Anvil win the tournament. Jin, to the credit of the screenplay, is like, I think it's something else. And he shows him June Kazama's ID card. And Fox is like, oh, my God, I know her. We were in the Tekken tournament together. She was a Tekken fighter. Jin can't believe this. He does your typical, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me you love him? Mom? Christy tells him to go underground, because if he's underground, the Tekken Corporation can't kill him. But oh no, Jin has other plans and reveals to his newfound lady friend and his manager that he is here to kill Heihachi Mishima. Kazuya meets up with the Williams sisters, not to fuck, but to yell. It's very typical. You failed. I'm yelling. Blah blah blah. Day two at the Tekken tournament, the King of Iron Fist tournament. I'm only mentioning this because it reeks of other junk man films. Christie tells Jin to stay in front of the cameras. That way, the Tekken Corporation can't have you know have him killed. Because if he's on camera, you can't kill him. I guess. Shades of Rollerball with Jonathan Cross. I mean, it's the same fucking thing. Our first match, conveniently, Christy Montero versus Nina Williams. Now, Christy is all fired up because, you know, Nina Williams tried to kill her man candy. They fight. They fight. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Not, not because, not because they're women. Please, but because I thought the camera for sure would just want to get in as many zooms as they can on the, butt, the buttocks and the breasts. I will say they're dressed like a couple of TNA knockouts, you know, from like the, uh, the 15 to 20s era. Uh, they get down for a leg lace and they start talking to each other like a couple of professional wrestlers, like called spots. Were you out late last night, Nina? I like your boyfriend. He's cute. So Christie gets really pissed and delivers a rolling kick to the implant of Nina Williams' bosom. It looked like it really hurt. Sorry, I don't share. Christy Montero wins. Backstage, Kazuya with a patented bad guy briefcase full of money. He's got a hundred K in global bucks, and he offers it to Brian Fury to kill Jin. Like literally, not just to like beat him, but to kill him. Obviously, that DNA's freaking him out. We all know why. Now, Brian Fury, the king of the Iron Fist, is casually breaking cinder blocks during this entire conversation. And Kazuya's like, come on, Brian, I know you need money because replacing bone with flex steel isn't cheap. Brian's like, huh? So, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Fury is kind of a cyborg here. Apparently, he's had his bones replaced with flex steel, whatever that is is like, fine, you don't want my money, kill him, or I'm going to expose you for cheating. And delivers the line, ladies and gentlemen, and I quote, Christ Brian, you're half robot, you'll be banned for life. Now regardless of anything I've said before this line or after, I kind of feel like any movie that has the line, Christ Brian, you're half robot, you'll be banned for life, cannot be considered a bad movie. But Fury acquiesces and knows that he has to do what he has to do. And Kazuya orders that the character select screen be locked in for our next fight. Jin Kazama versus Brian Fury. Kazuya and Heihachi then sort of have like a walk and talk. Heihachi's like, so, uh, Kazuya, I noticed that there were some jacks here in the stadium. It's kind of fucked up. Well, father, you see, uh, a fighter was attacked last night in his barracks, so, you know, we just got some extra added security to make sure this next round of Iron Fist goes okay. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we transition to Steve Fox and young Jin Kazama as they share a very tender moment before the next battle, complete with some broke-ass, like, sad, sappy music in the background, like, burr, 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 Oh, wait, that's the Princess Bride. Well, we'll just go with it. Burr, burr, burr. Jin, my stardust, I want you to have something of mine, Jin. It is not the plants of the stars, and it's not your mother's kyber crystal. And it is not the spoon I used on the set of Hannibal. No, stardust. I give to you my power (laughs) glove. I can't even say it with a straight face. Jin, my stardust, I give you my power gloves. I use these in the Iron Fist tournament. My Stardust, now I must go, Jin. Remember, rebel, Jin, my Stardust. But Steve Fox gives Jin what he calls Power Gloves. Shades of the Power Glove from The Wizard? Or from the real Nintendo Entertainment System? But what these actually are, I don't know why Fox calls them Power Gloves. Like, I really don't. And I've played a lot of Tekken. But I do know that my friends and I used to say that it looks like Kazuya and Jin wore gloves with, like, quarters attached to them so they could, like, beat the shit out of people with a fistful of quarters. And that's what these power gloves are. And so now Jin fully looks like he looks in the video game. So I'm going to allow the power gloves against my better judgment. So it it really sounded like they were setting up Brian Fury versus Jin Kazama. But the match selection is actually Jin Kazama versus Yoshimitsu. Okay, I guess. Heihachi sees the match selection. I don't know why or how or whom or what, but he's like, you know, I don't think this match should be happening right now. It's more like a semifinals match, so let's redo the match selection. Everybody's like, what? You can't do that. Kazuya's like, no, it's set. It's part of my master plan, although you can't know that father. Um. Heihachi demands they reset it And so finally Kazuya has had enough He pulls out a pistol and shoots some random guy And a bunch of jacks swarm into the control room And he gives the big speech Father it's my turn The Tekken is now mine It's, it's long overdue Blah 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 And don't forget father You put me in charge of the jacks And I was so tired of jacking off I had to fuck the Williams sisters Together It was cool But it was kind of weird You know, I mean, they're sisters and everything. I mean, sure, I had a drink, I did some blow, and then I was into it. Really, son, it took you blow and wine to get into it? Look at the... this is Christopher Lamper again. Oh, excuse me, Mishima family, I've just now been a silent observer. But, Kazuya, you really need to get that fucked up to fuck those sisters? Holy shit, man! Have you seen their boobs? They're huge. It's like a 13-year-old boy past a computer programming and graphic design course was hired by namco bandai and designed anna williams and nita williams man i mean look at them they're huge how could they even walk with those things I mean, you would think at some point gravity would take over. Hey Hachi, you know how it goes. Me and you have had some fucking threesomes in the past. No, not with each other, but that's okay. I'm talking about threesomes with Kitana and Malina. And oh, what about that time I had the Fatal Five-Way with Shiva? No, it was just me and Shiva, but she's got four arms, so it was like I was fucking five people at the same time. Alright, Majima family, I could tell you're having a pretty big argument right now, so I'm going to go back to Mortal Kombat. Hey Hachi, you probably shouldn't have made your son jack off so much. <laughs> okay, I'll see you later. Now, Yoshimitsu is here, and he looks decent. He looks less like a robot alien. And he looks more like a guy who's wearing creepy armor. And that might be what they're going for. They never really explain Yoshimitsu. Uh, I will say that Yoshimitsu in the game always fights holding a sword. He still throws punches and shit. You can use the sword. It does a lot of damage. But it usually takes a decent amount of time to pull off. Like, it's real simple. I think it's back-back-square, which is easy. But Yoshimitsu, it takes, I don't know... I'm not a competitive gamer. I know that frames are a thing, but I'm just going to use seconds. It takes like maybe two, two and a half seconds for Yoshimitsu to actually stab you with the sword. So if you could pull it off, good for you. But, you know, it's, it's hard to pull off. But he does at least carry it. So in this scenario, Jin gets a, like, staff with a sword on the... I mean, it's cool. They have a fight. Look this is one of the absolutely better fights in the movie for better or worse Um, and and you know it it goes to show that that's true in universe as well because back at the command center hey Hachi's like stop this Kazuya is like I can't bro look at our global ratings and I swear to you we see a computer monitor and the global rating is medium and it bumps up to global rating high shades of rollerball it's rollerball Seriously, if you haven't listened to the Rollerball episode, you should go back and do that. Even if you haven't seen the movie, I could paint a pretty vivid picture of these films. Rollerball, all time. I think it was our hundredth episode special was Rollerball. It may have been the debut of Junkman. It may only be available on the Podbean page. If you can't, yeah, you can go back that far. You can go back that far on Podcatchers as of present day. Uh, but, Father, audiences crave death. You know, that's why the global rating is going up. The death is everything. And and Kazuya gives Yo, Yo almost called him Yoko Suda. <laughs> Hey I, or Kazuya gives Yoshimitsu a look like finish him and Yoshimitsu goes to. Uh, we see that people around the world are indeed glued to their television sets, including Kara, the chocolate girlfriend who gave everything for Jin. And Jin is dry humping a Christy Montiero on the dance floor, despite the fact that Kara still loves Jin. I mean, this is shitty. Like if Aladdin had like a really hot, loyal girlfriend in Aladdin, and then he got to be a prince and he just dumped the other one, would we still cheer for Aladdin? We'd be one jump ahead of the scum guy, one swipe ahead of my sword. I feel like I'm gonna fuck a whore. Ooh. I'm gonna stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Uh, as Yoshimitsu is about to strike the killing blow, Kazuya gives a speech. Father, it is now time to witness the death of Jin Kazama, the byproduct of one of my youthful indiscretions. You have a son, Kazuya. I had a son. Boss, come back, I will say. Boss, come back. Now, at this Moment. Yoshimitsu is so close to hitting the killing strike, but Heihachi fights back and punches a bunch of buttons, which causes a security alert to rain through the Tekken arena. Lots of jack troopers converge upon the stage where Yoshimitsu and Jin are fighting. This is the Tekken equivalent of the famous WWE distraction schoolboy finish, because Yoshimitsu's like, what? Where are all these jacks coming from? Jin has a flashback of his training to his mom, and his mom says, quote, Destroy the mask of evil, so you do not fear death. So I was thinking, oh, Jin's gonna, you know, break Yoshimitsu's mask and see that he's just a man in this version, and then he's gonna be able to beat him, and that could be cool. But no, he just palm punches Yoshimitsu in the eye, and it looks like Yoshimitsu dies, but we'll learn later he's not dead, but sure does look like it. At this point, there's fucking chaos raining throughout the building heihachi is officially arrested fox and christy take Jin from the stage and they're like we got to get Jin out of tekken city and i understand that there's chaos raining down here but how do they know it's jin related like it seems to be a bit above their pay grade of information they're making a pretty big inference here but sure enough the Tekken or Kazuya, I was going to say the Tekken announcer, Kazuya puts an announcement over the PA. He's like, detain all of the Iron Fist fighters. And the Iron Fist fighters are like, what? Like, they're all corporate scumbag bad guys at this point. I mean, Raven's kind of a dick. The Williams sisters tried to kill Jin. But nonetheless, they are sort of arrested and detained. Uh, and it looks like the King of the Iron Fist tournament is about to get a fucking facelift. Now, Jin and his compatriots are still on the run, though. Uh, they turn, uh, or, you know, they run through the hallways and shit. They see Hey Hachi Mishima in chains. They turn a corner and are promptly arrested by Jacks. Well, shit. In the holding cells, Raven of all people gets a chance to become a full-fledged character. He's all pissed off that they're detained. Like, hey. We're iron fist tur- fight. We're iron fist competitors, and I gotta sell guns to Jean Claude Van Damme. I don't know why it sounds like he's Mr. Garrison, Mr. Hat, Mr. Raven. Why are you so pissed off? But he does help Jen with his dislocated shoulder. He he, you know, puts it back in place, but kind of like a dick. I see the Williams sisters are in their own cage too. Hello, William Sisters. This is about to make a movie here with you in your cage. This is Professor Charles Xavier, William Sisters. Ah, you know, uh, William Sisters, I heard a rumor pray tell that you two might be mutants. Would you mind if I look into your heads to see if you are? Oh, dear, the things you've done together. The (laughs) thing... Sisters truly love each other, don't they, William Sisters? Oh, behave, oh... Excuse me, I have to get back to Westchester, New York. Goodbye. But I don't see any of the other fighters, so I don't know where the fuck they are. Kazuya shows up for a patented Kazuya speech. I thought for a second here, folks, because he's wearing a suit in certain light. I thought it was Kazuya's very famous, iconic purple suit that he wears in Tekken 2 that I just love. I just love. I think you have to press square to get purple suit, Kazuya. Don't fuck around, purple suit, Kazuya. But it's black. You know, he's saying typical things like, oh, it's my turn now to be in charge of Tekken and blah, 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 blah. You know, my dad said Iron Fist was important, but I didn't understand it till now. In that arena, perception is power. Jin, when the the people around the world thought you killed Yoshimitsu, the ratings spiked. So now there's going to be a new rule. All the fights in the Iron Fist tournament are now to the death. Everyone is distressed, and, you know, I gotta admit, I feel kind of bad for the Williams sisters, cause if either one of them wants to win, they gotta kill the other one. Very sad waste of uh, waste of delicate resources there. So why don't you all get some rest? Kazuya leaves, and Jin's like, "We need to start the revolution." Christy, by the way, still has on the ass pants. It's just I feel I feel for this woman trying to be a, a real human wearing these pants. Raven of all people, heeds Jin's words and starts the revolution attacking guards with guns. Uh, suddenly in this fucking Tekken martial arts movie, a gunfight breaks out. Uh, they're in like the bowels of the arena trading shots with Tekken security. Not so much Jackson. Maybe they're Jaxon. It doesn't really fucking matter. They see Heihachi tied up in chains and he does the typical, Hey, if you help me, I can help you escape. But Jin wants to kill him. What could you do for us? Heihachi's response, I can help you. I'm Batman. I mean, he kind of looks like Batman. We've discussed this. Raven ends up taking a couple of bullets to the chest, making the sacrifice. They do let Heihachi out. Raven is captured. Should be dead, but he's not. And hey, as our heroes escape Tekken City, do you remember all the way back in the beginning when we had the ridiculous on-screen text for Anvil? We get some more! Anvil green zone, Tau sector. Well, thank God. Thank God we know they're in the green zone in the Tau sector. Is Sonic going to come running by in the fucking green zone? Oh, hey, guys. Sorry. Wrong game. Ladies and gentlemen, there may be nothing funnier than watching Heihachi Mishima scurry through the streets trying to hide in the shadows with this fucking hair. I don't know. Kazuya leads an army of jacks into Anvil. Tear the Anvil apart! You know, he yells bad guy shit. They go to a safe house that Jin knows about, and it's time for some deep revelations. Well, of course, after a sponge bath. Sponge bath! Sponge bath! Because Christie has given Jin a sponge bath. Now, midst Sponge bath, Hey, Hachimashima does appear out of the shadows like he's the goddamn Batman, so there might be some some uh, credence to the case there. He tells Christy to leave. She does. Jin, I knew your mother. She was one of Tekken's best. No, she hated Tekken. Do not judge all of Tekken by Kazuya's mistakes, Jin. Pause... I mean, granted, we haven't seen Heihachi Mishima really do anything evil, except give like an evil speech way back in the beginning. It wasn't it wasn't so much evil in its words, but the way it came across to us as the viewer. Um, you know, but Kazuya wasn't really in charge until five minutes ago, folks, so anything that Tekken did bad before was Heihachi, right? Jin, Tekken was created to stem the chaos, to raise the world from the ashes. Tekken is peace. Tekken is fear. Tekken is movie. Oh wait, that's what I added. Uh, but Jin finally gets around to, hey, hey Hachi, you ordered that out of nowhere missile strike, you killed my mom. Wrong, Jin. I saved her life. What do you mean? Thousands of years ago. Oh wait, no, that's that's fucking Aquatine. Many years ago. After a tournament, I found her beaten and violated. I had her taken from Tekken City to freedom. There was always a sadistic part of Kazuya I could never control. Kind of like the devil? Hmm. But, Jin, you must understand, Kazuya is my son. Your father. No! You're lying! Oh, come on, screenplay! play. Can someone, Can we please have a paternity revelation in a film where the person's like, <gasps> Actually, that makes sense. Now that you mention it, we kind of look a whole lot alike. And I have an uncontrollable rage temper just like him, too. Holy shit, I see the Brad synergy. Like, can we please have that? I don't know. But more importantly, Heihachi gives us the entire genesis of Kazuya's revolution. The reason it's taking place right now, because Kazuya has realized now there are two heirs. To the Tekken throne. Uh, some Jacks finally storm the compound. We get some ridiculous stunt show explosions. It's at this moment that Steve Fox fights back, and I'm kind of starting to realize why he hasn't graded on me. Like, he's not interesting or anything, but he's not dislikable or unlikable. And it's because it's finally clear to me, based on his appearance and his actions, he is like a dime store Jason Statham. So good for you! Unfortunately, at this exact moment, as I'm taking this note, he is gunned down and killed by a bunch of jacks. Gun jack wins, I guess you could say. The good guys are captured. Kazuya, the actor of Kazuya, kind of has a decent performance here. He orders the jacks to kill Heihachi. But he kind of is holding back tears as he orders it. You know, it's Interesting. Heihachi, ladies and gentlemen, delivers a dynamite line as he's being taken away to his execution. You never understood the spirit of Dickens. Again, it's kind of an example of a line that's so bad it kind of works. Heihachi takes the long walk to his execution, flanked by a jack soldier. As he's walking, we get some chanting music, like it's Order 66 or something. He, he They take him to like a, a building where he's all alone. He kneels in front of this jack and delivers a pretty boss line. I am Mishima Heihachi. I am Tekken. And then the building city, ability he's in explodes and Kazuya kind of looks distraught, happy, and sad all at the same time. And then the sun rises on the next day in Tekken City. Heihachi. We'll miss you, buddy. But I do like he he says his name formally like he would in Japanese. I am Mishima Heachi. It's kind of cool. In the arena, Kazuya formally announces the new rules for the finals to all of the audience members. It's now a fight to the death, folks. And you know what? The bloodthirsty Tekken faithful kind of love it because they cheer like it's nobody's business. We see people all around the globe cheering. Again, watching on TVs like it's the running man. Even Kara. Jin's act one girlfriend is watching. We get the matchmaking for the first semifinals. It's Sergey Dragunov versus <laughs> Brian Fury. Each of them gets to use a weapon. They fight to some glorious new metal. It's probably the worst fight in the movie. There is an amazing moment though. Brian Fury executes a spin kick and the movie completely slows down and pauses. All of the sound drops out. When Sergei gets the kick and touches his lips and sees that there's blood on it, and then the music starts back up. Like, I don't understand what they're going for with this dramatic lip bleeding. Uh, Fury eventually wins by breaking his neck with a chain. It's kind of cheap because they don't even show it. I mean, this movie's rated R, too. In the holding cells, Jin is waiting. Kazuya shows up and again delivers a pretty good evil bad guy line. He walks in with a big fucking shit-eating grin. He's like, hey, Jin! No hug for your old man? It's not bad. You know, Jin, I remember your mother. She put up quite a fight. And I totally understand your uh, desire for patricide, by the way. Like, he's kind of giving him a speech like, Yeah, we're not so different, you and I. Classic. Uh, You want to kill me, Jin? Well, there's only one way to do that. And I quote. To get to me, you have to kill the champion, Brian Fury. That's how Iron Fist works. Another line that's really just so bad, it's good. And if you refuse to fight, I'll take Christy. And Kazuya takes Christy. The world will watch you die, son. He does, at least on the way out, give him his power gloves back. That's nice. Up in the control room, shades of double dragon, Kazuya punches Christy in the gut for no reason. Raven is in the jail cell with Jin. And, and, and god damn it! Raven continues to want to be a real character. He starts giving Jin a pep talk. "You know Jin, I watched you when you fight Roha, and you let your anger take control. Quote: Anger doesn't fuel the fighter's soul. It incinerates it. Do I have to say it again with the lines that are so bad they're starting to be good? Before you lost control, Jin, I saw greatness in you. You are fighting for all of us now." There are a lot of people counting on it. Deus Ex-Raven, ladies and gentlemen. Again, just the exact same plot of the final game of Rollerball. Jin makes the walk towards the fighting arena for the main event. He steps on a puddle in slow motion, like he's walking on water. Message! Message! Uh, We get some sepia tones on the picture, flashbacks to Fox, flashbacks to June Kazama, the mama. Uh, He's got the pants and the gloves as he's walking. Wait a minute! We're finally back at the beginning of the movie. This is the walk from the beginning. Should we get some on-screen text that says, like, now? Because we got the five days earlier. Jin literally sees almost the entire movie in flashbacks. Even the little talk he had with the rebels in the bar. He doesn't flash back to Lenny Kravitz, though, unfortunately. But during this flashback, ladies and gentlemen, of basically the entire movie, I swear to you, the editor in charge of the film made this choice. We see Jin flirting and fucking Christy on the dance floor. Then, we see Kara, Act 1 girlfriend, and we hear her say, My dad was killed by Jax. Are we, am I still supposed to cheer, to cheer for Jin? I mean, look, I don't really care, but... The movie is just putting it in my face that he's got this steady girlfriend and he's fucking around with Christie. So, the walk is finally complete. The main event of the Iron Fist tournament, Brian Fury versus Jin Stardust. Uh, the sports center guys who've been doing commentary for this thing say that they're the only two left in the tournament. What happened to the Williams sisters? What a waste. Brian Fury at least has his face scar. He got it in the last match, so that's cool, I guess. I will admit, Jin looks very video game accurate and kind of cool. And the fight begins. Do you remember like two seconds ago when I said that Jin looked cool? Well, he fucking runs in a dead sprint at Brian Fury, gets punched, and flies across the entire screen like a bitch. Now, the fight progresses. And we know that it's supposed to be a secret that Brian Fury is enhanced and basically a robot, okay? Now, we know that the whole world is watching and has been watching this tournament. So when this next thing happens, on my screen, I'm blown away. Jin does a spin kick to Brian Fury's chest. And Brian Fury's chest, like, shoots a little lightning. There are sizzle sounds, and we see, like, a digital screen glow beneath his chest. Has no one hit him before?! How could you miss this? Jin gets a big kick to the face, and you just hear the clunk of metal. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Fury now has a belt on that is just bullets, like the bullets you feed into a big Rambo gun. He wraps the bullet belt around his wrist shades of Colonel Vulcan from Metal Gear Solid 3. I'm surprised he didn't start yelling, Kuwabara, Kuwabara. He does a couple of kicks. He goes for the big bullet punch. But no, Jin dodges. But then the music starts to get really sad and slow like this is the end of Jin. Fury punches again with the bullets and punches through the entire fucking wall because Jin ducks. We see a flashback to mom again. Every opponent has a weakness. You must see it. You must exploit it. Now we see that Brian Fury has to snap his wrist back into place after this punch and it makes a little robot noise so he's he's more machine than man now. Uh And we flash back to the Anvil Bar where the Rebel guys from earlier are watching. I swear to God, they start a Jin chant, even though he can't hear them. Jin does begin to fight back, though. He runs up a giant statue that's on the stage. He's up, like, I don't know, he's he's up high. He leaps and hits a Superman knee to the face of Brian Fury. Brian Fury's head snaps comically like, like a robot. And uh, he just dies right there on TV. Kara smiles. Christy smiles. Kazuya is pissed, but the crowd is in a verbal frenzy because the king of Iron Fist is Jin Kazama. Kazuya's like, it's time for a rewrite. A new challenger emerges. He's uh, like, announce me as the final challenger. Christy's like, no, you can't kill him. He's the champion. Watch me, bitch. Uh, the match select screen indicates that we're now going to be fighting in a Japanese temple. And here comes Kazuya Mishiba. No patented purple suit. But he does have his patented two small axes. Wait a minute. But that's not a part of Kazuya's character at all. Why does he have two tidy axes? Oh, fuck this movie. Final round. Fight. So they start to fight. And Kazuya again starts doing a we're not so different you and I speech. Really, I should thank you. If it wasn't for you, I would have never taken over the Mishima Corporation. Blah, 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 blah. Jin gets sliced across the chest. He now has his patented chest scar, but he won't stay down. Vengeance drives you, doesn't it, Jin? Jin is again taking a huge beating. The music slows down again. We were just here, ladies and gentlemen. Well, last time, Jin remembered his mom's words of wisdom. So the only way that Jin can survive now is to remember the final wisdom given to him from his parental lineage. If I may give it to you now. Jin, my stardust, I can't imagine what you think of me. When I was taken, I faced some bitter truths. I was told that soon enough, Kazuya would have you as well. As time went by, I knew that you were either dead or so well hidden that he would never find you. I knew if I refused to work, if I took my own life, it would only be a matter of time before Kazuya realized he no longer needed me to complete the project. So I did the one thing that nobody expected. I lied. I learned to lie. I played the part of a beaten man, resigned to the sanctuary of his work. I made myself indispensable, and all the while I laid the groundwork of my revenge. We call it the Death Star. There's no better name. And the day is coming soon when it will be unleashed. I've placed a weakness deep within the system. A flaw so small and powerful they will never find it. But Jin, Jin, if you're listening, my beloved, so much of my life has been wasted. I try to think of you only in the moments when I'm strong because the pain of not having you with me, your mother, our family, the pain of that loss is so overwhelming. I risk failing even now. It's so hard not to think of you. Think of where you are, my stardust. But Jin, listen. Kazuya's stomach, that's the key. That's the place I've laid my trap. It's well hidden and unstable. One blast to any part of it will destroy the entire station. You'll need the plans, the structural plans for the Death Star to find the reactor. I know there's a complete engineering archive in the data vault at the Citadel Tower on Scarif. Any pressurized explosion to the reactor module will set off a chain reaction that will destroy the entire station! Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, truth be told, Jin gets the victory by cheating! Because Christy steals a gun from a jack, and she starts shooting wildly into the arena. Kazuya is distracted, and Jin rolls him up the schoolboy for the 1, 2, 3. Actually, he just slices his abdomen. He then raises the axe. The final blow shall be delivered in front of the world. Jin will destroy the Tekken Corporation. Jin will be the true king of the Iron fist. Tournament. The axe comes swinging down. Wait. Jin grabs Kazuya's nose. He makes a sound. Honk. You're curse, man. Not mind. Mr. Miyagi stands in the corner smiling. Bah, 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 bah. Christy runs out ah, and she gives him a big hug. Christy gives a speech. Citizens of Tekken in the world, I give you Jin Kazama, the winner of Iron Fist. The people's choice. Now, the people's champion! All over the world, people rejoice. We see Kara gasping like, That bitch stole my man. We see the rebel guy say, I never thought I'd live to see this day. What, What day exactly are we celebrating again? But hell, even Lenny Kravitz is happy, and he buys around for the entire bar. Chrissy says to Jin, where are you going to go? It's simple. It's time to go home. And so Jin starts walking, now equipped with a personal spotlight, shades of Mr. Freeze. He walks down a hallway, finds his patented Jin Kazama leather jacket, goes to the gates of Tekken City. There is an army of jacks waiting. They all have guns, but instead of shooting him, they line up in formation for him and salute him! I guess he's now the leader of Tekken? Jin walks through the Anvil streets as Christy delivers our final voiceover narration. On that day, the house of Mishima fell. Tyranny had been challenged and defeated, and the name Kazama became synonymous with hope, strength, and freedom. But freedom comes and goes... Kara is now on screen, and the world has no idea or warning that the true legacy of Tekken's only just beginning. Jin sees Kara. We freeze frame on Jin. Some new metal starts. Tekken, 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 Tekken. Wait, that's it? That's it? Roll credits? Wow. Wait a minute, though, ladies and gentlemen. That's not it. Even though this movie was made in 2009 and Iron Man just came out in 2008, I'm here to tell you there is a God help me post credit scene. It's like 40 seconds. We see Kazuya walking in the arena all by himself and bleeding, but still alive and we flash back to the moment Heihachi Mishima was executed. Where he says, I am Mishima Heihachi. So he says, I am Mishima Heihachi. I am Tekken. And that's when it cut. But now we see he said something else after that. He looked up at the Jack and said, You will obey! The Jack puts his gun down? Hey Hachi, spikes the camera with a shit-eating grin? And that's the end of the movie. So were the Jack's robots? I mean, they speak. They speak in normal... They speak. They all speak Japanese throughout the movie, the Jacks do, but they don't speak robot Japanese like... Rer-er-er-er. They don't sound like Cyrax and Sector. Hey... Johnny C, are you talking about my friends Cyrax and Sektor? (laughs) Actually, it's kind of funny. We based all of the jacks off of Cyrax and Sektor and my good friend Smoke. How did you like the Tekken picture, Johnny? Well, Lord Raiden, I I guess I'm of two minds about it. You know, now that the movie is over, it's time to wrap this fucker up. Is it junk? Ah... You know, this is a rare thing on Junk, man. Most of these movies I've seen before. I've done a few that I haven't. It it is Junk, okay? There was a little bit here that made me think, oh, I kind of want to play Tekken, but that's about it. All this really did was make me nostalgic for those old-school days of playing Tekken as a youngster and doing bullshit science experiments and, you know, listening to Tekken music and shit like that. Like, the movie is absolutely forgettable. I'll probably never think about it again. Uh, hey, Hachi, uh, you know, Kerry Haugawa, uh, I mispronounced his name. I mean, he's a fine, like... Like, I like him as Heihachi, but that's about the only redeeming thing, and that's only because he played Shang Tsung in the movie. The Jin actor is abysmal. Uh, poor Christie has to walk around in these ass pants. You know what, though? I'll say this. The movie, it, the movie's junk. It's poorly made. Uh, it, it did have a little bit of a budget, surprisingly, I found out after the fact, but I don't think it got a theatrical release even, so it's like straight to DVD territory. I, it's junk. I've watched. I've watched worse. I think I think I've watched worse, you know, even on this program, but I, I'm recommending it only to those who think that it has to be seen because I like Tekken. If you don't like if you don't like Tekken, this movie will give you nothing. And honestly, the only thing it gives you is when you yell at the screen like, hey, that's not my Tekken. Oh well though, they keep making movies. I'll keep talking about them and speaking about talking ladies and gentlemen, Here on the new TNN, we do a whole lot of talking with all sorts of different podcasts. You know, we got Centaur Man, the Stu Hart Chronicles, Junk Man, the Bad Movies, Ring Man, the Wrestling Show. There's another man I'm forgetting. Oh, Toad Man, the Dawson's Creek Show. We still have that. Just don't do a lot of episodes of it recently. I feel like I'm forgetting another man. Mm. Concrete Man, where we talk about In Your House. And hey, WCW Must Die just came back from the depths of hell. So, yeah. leave it with that. I suppose there's only one thing left to say after this, and it's only going to make sense to you if you've played Tekken 3. And I leave you with these kind words. I'm Johnny C, winner is you, and chicken!